1: Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples Magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples Magazine. To find out more, you can visit the website, lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadena, our state senator, will be joining us. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen, who I think is back on the Paradise Coast now. will be good to catch up with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. We're talking about where's Hunter Biden. And remember how Big Tech says Comcast will censor the Internet? We'll talk about that. And I'm going to have uh, my wife, Linda, on the show. She writes uh, a blog called Greetings from Paradise. She's written it for several years. And uh, we'll find out about that blog. Like, it's very popular. Everybody, last time she sent it out, she had over 10 people Uh, asked to be put on the list of what is now hundreds, maybe a couple thousand people that uh, subscribe to uh, her newsletter. It is uh, October the 20th, and on this day in 1803, the U.S. Senate approved a treaty from France providing for the purchase of the territory of Louisiana, which would double the size of the United States, At the end of the 18th century, the Spanish technically owned Louisiana, the huge region west of the Mississippi that had once been claimed by France and named for its monarch, King Louis XIV. Despite Spanish ownership, American settlers in search of new land were already threatening to overrun the territory by the early 19th century. Recognizing it could not effectively maintain control of the region, Spain ceded Louisiana back to France in 1801, Sparking intense anxieties in Washington, D.C., under the leadership of Napoleon Bonaparte, France had become the most powerful nation in Europe, and unlike Spain, it had military power and ambition to establish a strong in, uh, colony in Louisiana. Realizing that it was uh, essentially, that the, essentially that the U.S. at least maintained control of the mouth of the all-important Mississippi River, early in 1803, President Thomas Jefferson sent James Monroe to join the French Foreign Minister Robert Livingston in France to see if Napoleon might be persuaded to sell New Orleans and West Florida to the U.S. By that spring, European situation had changed radically. Napoleon, who had previously envisioned creating a mighty new French empire in, in America, was now facing war with Great Britain rather than r- risking the strong possibility that Great Britain would quickly capture Louisiana and leave France with nothing, Napoleon decided to raise money for his war and simultaneously deny his enemy Plum Territory by offering to sell the entire U.S. territory for a mere $15 million. Half of the (laughs) flabbergasted, Moreau and Livingston decided they couldn't pass up such a golden opportunity, and they wisely overstepped the powers delegated to them and accepted Napoleon's offer. Despite his misgivings about the constitutionality of the purchase, The Constitution made no provision for addition of territory by the treaty, or by treaty. Jefferson finally agreed to send the treaty to the U.S. Senate for ratification, noting privately, the less we say about constitutional difficulties, the better. Isn't that interesting? Despite his concerns, the treaty was ratified, and the Louisiana Purchase now ranks as the greatest achievement of Jefferson's presidency. But even then, struggling with constitutional issues. Isn't that interesting? The less we talk about this, the better it is. So interesting. Louisiana Purchase, signed, ratified this day in 1803, a mere 197 years ago. If you think about it, that's about, what, three lifetimes. Amazing the velocity of change in history and what's happened and how quickly it changes this day. Florida Department of Health reported 32 new cases of COVID-19 and one additional death in Collier County. The death was identified as a 94-year-old woman Whose positive case was counted by the state in July 22nd? Huh? Uh, you know, it's hard to believe that we're counting people who are 94 years of age of dying with coronavirus. But irrespective, 25 patients in Collier hospitals uh, right now. So again, flattened curve is we're in good shape. Seven-day average of new cases is 55. It's up since uh, school started in August 31st, but uh, down from its high of to 221 on july the 13th well you know how the left has been loudly condemning president trump for holding large rallies amid the coronavirus epidemic well it turns out that these events aren't the covid super spreaders that uh, progressives claim they are uh, the daily caller reached out to health officials in states that have been disproportionately impacted by pandemic and conducted an analysis of publicly available da- health data these officials confirmed that the number of coronavirus cases could not be directly tied to the campaign rallies in the report the daily caller reviewed public health data from state and county authorities where the president held uh, rallies they compared these numbers of new infections on the day that rallies took place to the number of new infections that were discovered one week two weeks even a month later in each location determine if there was a significant increase in the infections well, after the uh, pandemic hit, Trump's, Trump's first rally was held in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and was the subject of controversy, but it appears that the fake fears were just plainly unfounded. So you can see that if this activity is happening, and there's no link to a uh, super spreader. I mean, he is holding them outside, but people are close together. It's, I think, reassuring to the public that we can continue to open up, in my opinion. Well, uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average got creamed yesterday because uh, we're big expectations there's going to be an announcement about uh, another release of funds to help people get through the pandemic. Well, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin will update the public today uh, on their long-stalled bipartisan coronavirus negotiations, which could mean the new stimulus checks and unemployment benefits before November election. Uh, Pelosi, a California Democrat, of course, has been accelerating talks with Mnuchin for weeks. Mnuchin most recently offered a $1.8, million trillion, <laughs> eight trillion, 1.8 trillion coronavirus aid package. Pelosi's holding out for $2.4 trillion. She wants to bail out the uh, liber- liberal states. Don't think that's going to happen. We'll see what happens today. Hopefully there'll be the uh, futures are up, which maybe is an indication they anticipate an announcement today. Well, the president was in Prescott in Tucson, Arizona, yesterday with thousands of followers showing up. Uh, The enthusiasm for his followers is palpable. Uh, In fact, uh, in the Prescott rally, there are 22,254 sign-ups. That's right, 22,000. 23% are not Republican. 37.6% did not vote in 2016. So do you think these rallies are working? I think they are. In Tucson... 19,291 signed up. 28.2% were not Republican, and 28.6 did not vote in 2016. That's so. What uh, I think what this illustrates is that these are not likely voters because they haven't voted in the past. Some many are not Republican, but uh, I would anticipate after attending one of these rallies, they're going to be so excited to vote they will be turning out. Meanwhile, Joe's put a lid on his campaign. Until the debate on Thursday, Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden has remained mum on questions about his knowledge of his son's Hunter, Hunter's overseas business dealings, which were discussed in a series of emails purportedly found on the laptop belonging to his son. And of course, you may be aware the New York Post last week published this controversial email, uh, story about the emails which was later obtained by uh, several media outlets related to Hunter Biden's work with Ukrainian natural gas firm Burisma, as well as his work with a Chinese energy firm. So uh, here's the deal. This is kind of how I see it, Uh, based on, and by the way, terrific uh, interview with Rudy Giuliani uh, by Mark Levin on Sunday night. We watched it yesterday. And uh, it's pretty clear to me at this point that Biden and his family basically are saying, look, we, we, there are laws against skimming and taking money and p- providing favors to other governments through politicians. So here's what we're going to do. What we're going to do is we're going to have uh, payments made to family members, which is totally legal, and then uh, we'll be able to cycle that money back to me, some of it anyhow. In fact, uh, you can see that the big guy that was mentioned in one of uh, Hunter Biden's emails said it would be about 50%. In any event, it's millions and millions of dollars that are involved in the scheme. It's just unbelievable, and it's legal. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it, but you can, te- you can see that what Biden is doing, he's trying to circumvent the law. The intent of the law is to prevent politicians from selling out to other sources and to other uh, interests and uh, providing favors for them. Well, that's exactly what's happened. He is so compromised. He compromised to China. He's compromised to other governments. Uh, based on this scheme that he's built by paying his, to his brother James and to uh, Hunter uh, to uh, provide these favors to, for example, Tom, he provided a meeting, which he's denied, by the way, to uh, one of the head guys at Burisma. So uh, right now, uh, Biden is, uh, the, the the mainstream media is in denial about all this. In fact, the the debate that's coming up on Thursday night, they changed the topic from foreign interests to other topics, in order to avoid, in my opinion, they are avoiding this whole issue so that, and hoping that they can continue to provide cover for uh, Joe Biden on this thing. So it's uh, really a shame. It's it's in my opinion so disgusting to see what's happening. There's no question. Joe Biden is compromised, compromised with the uh, Chinese government. He's compromised with other foreign interests, and uh, he should not serve as president of the United States irrespective of how the mainstream media, and by the way, how about Twitter and Facebook and other uh, companies, uh, social media companies that are trying to provide cover uh, for Joe Biden. Such a shame. Uh, This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples Magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples Magazine. To find out more, visit lifeinnaples.com, or .net, I should say. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. (laughs)
0: For more of The Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden
1: Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lula Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rocking good time.
0: And now here's your host, Bob Hartman.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Just that St. Matthew's House uh, commercial is uh, so compelling in my in my view. I certainly support St. Matthew's House and so does Luluby's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center. I hope you stop by have breakfast or lunch. They do a terrific job, and they also support St. Matthew's House in a big way. Again, Luluby's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. Right now, we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Well, just two weeks away, this is now we're 14 days from uh, the big election. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, um, uh, you know, I predict that, of course, uh, our Republicans are going to win Florida. Uh, President Trump's going to Florida. I mean, we're working really hard uh, to that end. Uh, I don't know about the rest of the country. One of the things I wanted to mention to you and, and to your listeners is, um, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of emails from people who are asking questions about how should they vote, uh, where should they vote, um, uh, is it safe to vote, all kinds of things. I, and I want to assure everybody uh, because I've been involved in our legislation over the last 10 years, that our uh, voting process is uh, one of the best in the country. Um, no one should be concerned about uh, filling out an absentee ballot, whether or not their vote's going to be counted. We've got uh, very robust um, provisions for uh, review of absentee ballots to make sure that If someone's signature doesn't match, there are requirements for the supervisors to contact those individuals. Because, as you know, particularly with kids and older folks, you know, your signatures do change. And so, um, and if you haven't updated with a supervisor of elections, we do have a process to contact you and let you know that, by the way, your signature doesn't match. Um, So I, I feel really good about, you know, where we are in Florida and there are so many options for voters. Unlike other states, um, our you know vote by mail process has been in place for years. Yeah. So um, I think people sh- can rest assured that uh, there are so many ways to vote that they, their vote will be counted.
1: You know, I'm so happy you brought that up. Uh, we vote by mail, and the reason for it is that there's always something on the ballot that we don't understand or need more information about, and we like to discuss. You know, the candidates and the issues and the amendments and all those things. So right. Linda and I do vote by mail every year intentionally. I know that I have friends who say, no, you know, we want to show up and vote at the ballot box. That's the way we prefer to do it, taking pride in the, the whole notion that they can vote. And I see all that. I think that's great. Well, we, as a precaution, uh, we took a little trip down to the supervisor of elections office and dropped them off in the, in the uh Container there the box. in the yeah. box, just to and he's just concerned about the U.S. mail. Now, I'm not impugning our mail service at all, but you hear about these <laughs> boxes of mail and uh, things thrown in the trash bin and so forth. So, uh, you know, we want our vote to count.
2: Well, one thing that people may not realize is that if you have mailed in a, a vote by mail ballot, you can go on to the supervisor of elections website and there's a Uh, button where you can, uh, you know, click on this, you know, I think they call it uh, check the status of my ballot or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mailed my my ballot in uh, 10 days ago and I checked. um, I checked last Friday and it showed that they had received it and it is counted. So um, that's a good way to check. So here's what my suggestion is to people. If you have mailed it in and on Election Day, you Go on the website and it doesn't show that it has been received. Go to the poll and explain it. Yeah. And they can, they can, uh, you know, I, I think they can work that out. Um,
1: yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really happy you brought. All... I'm happy you brought that up yeah. because uh, I think it's caryourvotes.gov or com. I'm not sure exactly what the website is, but you're exactly right. I mean, you can actually determine if your <laughs> mailed-in vote has showed up. If <laughs> right. You, vote is counted and uh, s- if it's not you can t- do something about it i think exactly. including uh, re- resend in the vote but you, there is a limitation on the time on that because unlike there was a supreme court decision to continue allow some votes to be counted in G- in Pennsylvania i think it is for 3 days after the election but your respect of that yeah. that's that's not happening in Collier county
2: no. Well, in Florida, our laws are very clear that your ballot has to have been received uh, by the uh, election, supervisor of elections, by midnight on, uh, or whatever, uh, uh, on election day. And so if you mail it, if you go to the polls, that's not an issue because you, you can vote that day. But right. if you mailed it in and you check on the website and it doesn't show that it had been received, then it's it's probably a good idea to go down to the elections office to get that sorted out, uh, because the some people thought that it would be uh, if it were postmarked by election day, but that's not that's not our law. Right. And that that law actually was one that was um, you know I was involved in, and it was it had bipartisan support. Um, we had a you know we had a lot of discussion on on curing a, a ballot that was defective and all kinds of stuff and we fixed all that and i think it's fair it makes sense you know if you want an absentee ballot they went out you know almost a month ago right so there's no excuse for for waiting until election day to nail in your ballot um you know to me if you if you want want to vote by mail get it in timely. And if you can't for some reason or you want to wait to the last minute because you're not sure who you're going to vote for, uh, then go down to the polls. Right. Or you can, you know, there's so many options in Florida. I feel very uh, comfortable and confident. And, and of course, we have a terrific supervisor of elections in Collier County and and now in Lee. So um, uh, I think, you know, people can be very comforted that their ballot will be uh,
1: counted. Now, you know, I'm so happy you brought that up. Jennifer Edwards has done a great job. but it's an elected position, yes. our supervisor of elections. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I, I believe in some areas, the supervisor of election has political leanings and will sometimes get become an activist in the process. In those areas, we have some concerns. But ours is terrific, I think.
2: That's right. And we, um, in, in uh, uh, Broward County, uh, the supervisor that had been uh, 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 problematic <laughs> was removed from office by Governor DeSantis, and she originally contested it, but it was so clear of the corruption in her office that she decided not to pursue um, her lawsuit against the state. And so there, um, so she is no longer there, and. Um, the There will be a new supervisor elected in November. Uh, until then, um, an attorney who, who I have a lot of respect for, Peter Antonacci, is handling elections in Broward County.
1: Oh, that's um, good to hear. That is great to hear. Yeah. So yeah. uh, before I let so, you go, I do want to just get your thoughts and update and reassurance about the uh, what's going to be happening in Florida here. What what are the kind of results do you think we're going to see for the presidential election and for the state and uh, for the house and for the senate? Wh- wh- what are your um, projections?
2: I, I I think uh you know President Trump's going to probably win Florida. He's been working hard. And the Florida GOP has been just bending over backwards to do everything they possibly can. They've been knocking on doors all over the state, doing grassroots campaigning, um, and and we are doing that as well uh, for our um, uh, uh, senator, the senators that are up for re-election, and House members. Um, we're hopeful that we're gonna. Come back not not only with our current 23 members, but maybe pick up one or two.
3: Oh, I mean, great. we're
2: working hard at it. And here's what um, President-designate Simpson has been saying all along. If we lose uh, one of those elections, it will not because, be because we didn't put every single um, 110% effort. It'll just be because we got beat. And you know that's the best philosophy because we're not leaving any stone unturned. We're spending whatever it takes to um, uh, take care of our senators that are running. Uh, the house is the same. Um, it's been challenging with pandemic because you know the typical grassroots of knocking on doors and whatever has been slowed down. But now it's all picking up and. I feel I feel really good about where we are and how we're doing it.
1: Outstanding. Kathleen Pasadena, again, our state senator. I'm so grateful for your time here on the show, Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can visit org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Boo Mortensen in Madison, Wisconsin. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo, good morning. How you doing?
4: I'm doing well. It's crazy as usual up in... Communist Madison, but there's no changes. It's more of the same craziness. But speaking of craziness, I have to share with us, share you, uh, share this with your leader, you and the listeners. Um, You can go, and for forty dollars, up to four hundred and seventy-two dollars, you can have dinner on Singapore Airlines.
1: What's this now?
4: Yes, what that means is they're a huge Aerobus, the biggest plane in Singapore Airlines fleet, the big double decker-huh and you have dinner on the plane and it never leaves the tarmac.
1: Hmm, and that's for forty bucks didn't have
4: dinner well, forty dollars if you're in economy, if you want your own area or suite, which I guess they have on these on this big double decker plane. It's $472. Does that, what does that tell you about, what, how desperate people are to travel, to get out, to do something different, that they'll pay that much and sit on a plane on the tarmac?
1: Well, you know, it also points out that uh, how imaginative uh, airlines can be. I mean, they're going to have this equipment just sitting there. And of course, they're not making any money, so at least they're trying to figure out some way that may have some appeal. And, uh, you know, you can see how people might want to do something interesting like that because uh, many people are just still so fearful of, of uh, travel.
4: I know. It. I think it's very clever, and it's sold out. So obviously there's an appeal for it.
1: Wow. In fact,
4: I'm surprised that our, our airlines haven't picked up on that, but, you know, maybe they will. I don't know. It seems like more people are flying now.
1: That's so interesting, Boo. Well. So what are your thoughts on what's happening now? We're two weeks from the election, and uh, you're up in Madison, Wisconsin, so you're surrounded by the communists. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. how are things looking for you?
4: I, You know, I'll tell you, I don't – It's it, the waters are getting muddied. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with all this Russian hacking business now coming out, I don't know if they're trying to create doubt about the – the balloting, then you've got the potential of absentee ballot fraud. Do you really think that we will have the results of the election on November 3rd? Uh, or do you think it will extend into 2021?
1: Hmm. So, I mean, I, I think that might be a sentiment of many people. I just watched the enthusiasm for President uh, Trump. At his rallies again, two si- two in Arizona yesterday, which is a swing state, it's a battleground state, and so many of the people are have never voted before are not Republicans that show up for these rallies, and they're so enthusiastic. I think they're having an impact, and it's not just it's not just the rally. People come back and talk to their friends about it, you know, so that expanding value in in what he's doing. Now, yesterday, my understanding is that Kamala Harris. I probably said the name wrong. Kamala, I forgot. Anyhow, she she showed up someplace in Florida. Ten people showed up. Ten. What I mean? <laughs> where's the enthusiasm? Where's the interest? I you mean, just. I don't
4: think there's any interest in her yeah.
1: much at all. Nor nor uh, Joe. I mean, when he shows up, no, uh, there are very few people now. I think they kind of spin it as being well we're being careful he's wearing a mask and we're not letting many people participate but i would suggest also the other element is people just don't care
4: well you know that's interesting last night i was watching the news on on one of the networks let's say it's mbc and they're so slanted they're so unbelievably slanted so they show they say well nobody is wearing a mask at a Trump rally and it's contributing to the coronavirus spike and we're going to have this longer because of the Trump rallies where nobody is wearing a mask. Why don't they show a Biden rally? Well, just show the Trump rally, but, but what you said this morning makes me think. Maybe there are not that many people at a Biden rally.
1: Well, they're, they're not. And here's the other thing, too. D- I read a study this morning. In fact, I shared the information on air with our listeners that uh, there's no th- – these rallies are not super spreaders. In other words, there's no increase in the level of coronavirus after the rallies are over in the particular location where they're held. So to me, that's extremely encouraging information, uh, not only for the rallies and for the president, but also for, you know, picking up activity in our nation and uh, doing it without fear.
4: Well, I I don't know. It's you know, you read all these different polls and how do you know? You know, last year they said that uh, Hillary was going to win by 99% between 87 and 99% chance yeah. of winning and she lost. Yeah. So I don't even I don't even know that you can trust any polls. And it seems like every poll maker has a, a you are a spin.
1: Let me ask you a point question. When you look at President Donald Trump and what he's doing, does he look nervous about it?
4: No, but um, no, but I can't believe that he isn't.
1: Well I I, I think I, his game plan is the same this year as as it was last year. He's gonna leave it all on the field to use a, a, a sports analogy. So he's out there doing two and three of these things a day, if you could believe that. He's got a yeah. plan to fly in. People are just going right to the hangar there and meeting with him, and 15,000, 20,000 at a time. It's just unbelievable. So he's, you know, I don't know if you recall, last year he was in Wisconsin, I think it was, yes. maybe it's Michigan, Uh, doing a rally at 1 o'clock in the morning, the day before, or the morning of the election. So uh Yeah, he's just uh, demonstrating, I think, tremendous energy and interest. And in addition to that, now you're seeing this corruption. uh, It's uh, apparently all legal. Joe Biden's selling influence through his family members and the the mainstream media and the social media is covering it up.
4: Yes, that's the thing that I find appalling is that they have tamped it down and there is they are absolutely not touching it and not going there at all. Yeah. It's hard to find actually.
1: Yeah. So it's so disappointing. It and they've it even Well, t-
4: do you think on during the debate it's going to be brought up? Oh. You know, they are allowing the debate they're allowing the interviewer to pick the subject matter and Trump wanted
1: foreign policy well it was a, it was foreign policy they previously agreed on that uh, uh yes. what before and now they're changing it so they don't have to talk about it but remember there's two minutes of rebuttal i'm sh- they've got the microphones now they're going to turn them down that was never in the rules but uh, trump i'm sure when it's his turn to talk he's going to say hey joe what about what's going on with hunter here <laughs> so i have no doubt it's i gonna think come he up. will yeah oh yeah, oh yeah.
4: See? I think that they could talk about climate change. They could talk about racism. They could talk about in, uh, c- coronavirus, which they've already beaten to death. Um, and I think he's coming in with what he wants to talk about, regardless of what the question is.
1: Well, that's, you know, he's been dealing with that his entire time as serving as president with the opposition of the mainstream media, the uh, social media. Uh, you name it, and uh, so he's prepared. He'll be ready. I don't know if Joe will be ready, but we'll see. Boo, I always appreciate your commentary in the show. It's kind of like, uh, like uh, what was his name? Uh, it's always like opening lumber
4: bo- flummer. <laughs> yeah,
1: th- Boo. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Hardin Show on the Bob Hardin Broadcasting Network. you listen to the bob hardin show so why not market your company to our loyal listeners ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience each advertising package includes a banner on bobhardin.com with a link to your website at no extra charge join Bee's diner johnson's air conditioning blue provence and many others who advertise on the show call me at 598-3889 that's 598-3889 or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget you'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value several advertisers have been with me for years find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com you'll be glad you did
0: back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare <laughs> and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on their board. I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, my wife, Linda. She writes uh, greetings from paradise, and a lot of people have been asking about it, so we're going to She's been doing it for over a decade. And, well, uh, anyhow, we're going to be talking about that. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us.
3: How'd you land that booking?
1: <laughs> it was some influence. I had to beg. <laughs>
3: yes. yes.
1: <laughs> Tell us about Less Government.
3: Uh, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. And, and really quick, I, I it amazes the me. The same media that complains about Trump not spending more on stimulus keeps r- writing r- uh, stories about th- this is the all-time biggest deficit without any self awareness whatsoever. Oh Go my ahead.
1: Goodness. Well, and uh, not only that, I guess Nancy Pelosi Pelosi she's down to her last day now in her negotiation well, process. Well,
3: it's her own self-imposed deadline. It's absurd. She you know uh, what what she wants to get out of this stimulus is bailouts for democrat states that have been you know Profligate for decades, right? And it has, and and their their dire financial straits has nothing to do with COVID. I mean, that may have accelerated the, uh, you know, the inevitable. But the inevitable was coming regardless of what happened with the stupid China flu.
1: No, you're absolutely right. But irrespective, I mean. Uh, She hasn't talked to the president, apparently, for over a year. She has not had a conversation. Well, I'm
3: sure Trump at some point said, this is a waste of my time, talking to Mnuchin.
1: Yeah, so, uh, and further than that, I think all of her judgment is tainted by her. uh, Just absolute, she despises.
3: By her Botox? Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that, but also she despises the president so much that I'm sure it impedes her decision-making. She's not making.
3: Well, you know, like like I said, Trump's, you know, I'm sure in the business world Trump doesn't, you know, obviously Trump didn't handle every single negotiation himself right. until the very end. He delegates to people and says, "When you get close, I'll come in and, you know, we'll we'll knock it down." And Pelosi's so far away from reality that Trump's just like, Screw it, I'm not talking I what a waste of my time that
1: is. Yeah, exactly. Well, like he said in Art the Art have you read Art of the Deal The Art of the Deal?
3: I a long time ago. I I, I, I did it right before I sold a used car. It was very helpful actually. Yeah, yeah,
1: it, it is a very helpful. And I did read it as well, but one of the big things in there is you gotta be willing to walk away. And that's something he kinda he kind of does in every deal easy as he, he walks and, away. and what's
3: funny is I think Art of the Deal came out in the eighties. Yeah. And I don't know if it was before or after. I can't remember. Did he mention um, Reagan leaving Reykjavik?
1: You know, I don't, e- I don't remember that.
3: Uh, I don't, I mean, like I said, I read it so long ago. Me too. Um, because that's what Reagan did. You know, I'm going to say to y- you, know, he said, I'm going to say to you what nobody in Russia will say to you, and yet. And he got up and left the, the, the nuclear uh, reduction talks, yeah. the nuclear arms reduction talks. So, yeah, you have to say no and walk away sometimes because if somebody's being, you know, out of touch with reality th- th- there's no point in wasting any more time
1: yeah well she's trying to challenge him at his biggest strength which is the art of the deal and i think she's going to come out on top on this so N- uh,
3: not not uh, in her best days no not yeah. now in her enfeebled state
1: no those no, sir so uh you wrote a great column about where's hunter biden and remember how big tech says comcast will censor the internet i really appreciate it tell us about it
3: well Of course, we're routinely reminded now by big tech being serially censorious. Um, but the, the argument for 20 years now of why we need net neutrality, which, of course, is a stupid, massive government imposition, not on the entire internet, just on internet service providers, the, the people that connect to the internet, Comcast, Verizon, at and Charter, those companies. Net neutrality only applies to them. And what the, the, the argument is, if we don't have net neutrality, the Internet service providers will block you from getting the stuff you want on the Internet. And, and, of course, one of the big arguments was when Comcast bought NBC, the argument was, oh, they'll block you from ABC and CBS because they're NBC now. Well, in tw- 30 years of pri- 25 years of private sector Internet now, if you if you gave a a leftist net neutrality proponent truth serum and said tell me if one example of the internet service providers blocking you they can't yeah there they, aren't any yeah. it has never happened within the confines of net neutrality like they, they they try to make stuff up like there was a a local fire department in California that was fighting fires uh, wildfires um, because California can't manage their forests and they'd signed up for like a regular Regular guy plan for 40 firefighters. Yeah. Well, they bumped up against their data cap because they have 40 guys on like a regular family plan, and they're constantly, you know, talking to each other while fighting a fire. Well, they say that's a net neutrality block. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> that's a that's a abuse of a family plan for 40 firefighters. But there's no actual examples of ISPs blocking people. But the main funders of the push, the two-decade push for net neutrality are the big tech companies, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Twitter. Um, and, of course, what are, they, what are they incessantly doing? They're blocking content.
1: Yeah, so this is, this is a big surprise to me. We've talked about net neutrality here for so many years. You think this thing would go away, and yet you see the impact that big money, big tech is having on Congress. They just go right along. Uh, with uh, with their ideas and what they want. Is net neutrality in play now?
3: Well, it will be. If, 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 again, this has been going back and forth because they can't get it through Congress because it's a stupid policy and, and the pe- American people don't want it. Yep. So whoever's in office in the, in the White House, it, it, it ping-pongs back and forth. Obama imposed really restrictive Title II net neutrality, and then Trump came in and immediately re- re- uh, Hold it, you know removed it and Biden will come in if he wins and put it back in yeah um, again with title 2 which is even worse um, title two is is a classification of the FCC the Federal Communications Commission it's a well, right now the Internet is considered an information service, Title One, Title Two is a communication service. Communication uh, regulations are much greater than the information service regulations. Yeah, so, anyway.
1: so, I mean, uh, uh, Agent Pai, I think his name is. He's the head of the FCC. Ajit. 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 Ajit Pai. Thank you. So uh, apparently he says – a,
3: a, a Hindu Indian from Kansas. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> yeah, but the, he, apparently this guy is saying we're going to take a look at Section 230 and, and do something about it. Uh, can he do that? Mm-hmm
3: i'm I'm interested you know i'm a, I'm not a lawyer I follow this stuff very closely however as you, you know their lawyer he said they're the FCC's chief attorney chief counsel said the FCC can can can, can move on this i'm I'm dubious and I'm concerned because I, you know I'm concerned because I don't I, you know I don't I, I take that back. I'm not concerned because the, the, the argument is, well, you're, you're setting a precedent for Democrats to do stuff at the yeah. SEC. Yeah. They don't need us to set a precedent for for them to do stuff. They're just going to do stuff. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, I'm, ho- um,
1: I'm hopeful that Congress will step in, too, but we'll see what happens after this election. Last question uh, and thought, of what do you predict for the election coming up on uh, November 3rd?
3: I can't imagine that... Uh, Trump is going all over the country, dr- drawing 25,000 people to right. every single event he has. I'm seeing, you know, you see those boat flotillas throughout Florida and around the country. You see these car flotillas. A couple of weeks ago, there was one in Miami, Florida, a car, you know, a caravan. Right. It was miles long. Yeah. Um, limbo had a great line yesterday after appearing in newport beach california he said you could have held another rally with a number of people standing alongside the road as he drove back to the airport it's true um i you know the only enthusiasm on biden can't draw flies at his events (laughs) the only enthusiasm on their side is hatred for trump yeah and i just i can't imagine
1: Uh, and fear the pandemic
3: well well that's yeah but that's but the, a, it, they're, they're so idiotically fearful of the pandemic. That doesn't go away if Biden wins.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. Um,
3: I just – I can't imagine this much enthusiasm, positive enthusiasm, being outdone at the ballot box by negative enthusiasm against Trump. Yeah. I just, I, there's no way you have these kind of rallies and go, oh, you've lost. And, yeah. and, and I've said this for four years now. If you think back to 2016 – to now, how many voters has he lost? Yeah. And I would argue very, very few.
1: Very few, indeed. See, how leg- many
3: has he picked up?
1: Hunt, thousands, thousands.
3: Uh, I'd say a million at least. Yeah. I mean, I you, know, you think about conservatives who were hesitant, and I understand in 2016 they were hesitant. Well, I, I don't understand not voting for him because we knew what Hillary Clinton was. Yeah. But the unknown factor of, you know, is, is Trump going to actually be conservative? We now know that he is. So th- those people come, come, come back to the polls. Oh, that's a good um, point. And, and you, know, you know, we've got the Antifa suburban moms who may have stayed away from Trump with, you know, the uh, Access Hollywood tape and all that, who are now watching their neighborhoods get invaded and burned by, um, by Antifa and Black Lives Matter. They get, they'll pick up the vote. Um, And and you've got blacks and Hispanics after, you know, record low unemployment prior to the shutdowns for black and Hispanic Americans. um, They're going to – you know, if if Trump gets 8 or 10 percent of the black vote, it's over for the Democrats. And I think he can get higher than that.
1: I agree. Seton Miley, again, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit the website. Less Government. Dot org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always a pleasure to get your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you, sir. Good, l- uh, good luck with the wife.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Seaton. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Harden. She is the author of Greetings for Paradise. People just really want to get on her list. I thought it would be time. Well, of course, I post all of her blogs on uh, my website, Greetings from Paradise, is is the subject. So uh, we're going to find out about the blog and uh, what she does and why she does it. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the
0: Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us my wife, Linda. I'm so pleased. Uh, She writes a blog called Greetings from Paradise. She's written it for years, and it's so popular. I thought uh, it's about time that we found out more about it. Linda, thanks so much for coming on the show.
5: Good morning.
1: Good morning, Linda.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Back at you. Yeah, back (laughs) at you.
1: Okay. Tell us about Greetings from Paradise. Why why did you start writing it?
5: Well, I started writing Greetings from Paradise um, so many years ago when hurricanes Wilma and Charlie ravaged um, our communities. And... I realized after watching Jim Cantore from the Weather Channel on 5th Avenue South saying that Naples had been destroyed, and I looked out our window, and we had been destroyed. So I thought I would like to advise the people that we knew here that were up north that we were okay. So mm-hmm. I started writing a, l- a little email to the addresses I had at the time saying, and I entitled it Greetings from Paradise, and just said you know what, Jim Cantori is all wet. It and that Naples was doing just fine and we're, we were recovering from it. And it, that's what started Greetings from Paradise. And so many people said, really, can we share this with our friends? i would love to t- pass this on. And that's how Greetings from Paradise started.
1: Yeah, now you probably started with a list of less than 100 people. I don't know. But uh, tell us what's happened in the meantime uh, in terms of people and taking an interest in it.
5: I started with less than 30 people. Wow. And now I have an email uh, list of close to 3,000 wow. that I know of. Yeah. I mean, other people, the people that are on my list share my newsletter with other people, and each time I write one, uh, more people want want to be added to the list.
1: Yeah. Now, I think I personally, and of course I'm biased, but I think uh, you're a great writer, Enterta- entertaining. So you not only it, provide information, but it, you prevent it, present it in such a very interesting and, fo- and favorable way uh, and uh, what you write is good news. It's you're not you're writing about the things that are happening in Naples that, and uh, the Paradise Coast that are that are good. Uh, but you've been silent since the pandemic. Why is that? There's been no good
5: news. <laughs> I mean, bottom line, there's been no good news. Um, I people have written to me and said, you know, what's going on in Florida? How awful is this? And you know, I have my own personal opinions about what's going on. But my whole point of Greetings from Paradise is to tell people what's happening here and, and the good news with what's going on, in the new restaurants, the new shops, the new, you know, what's changed since they um, went up north. And I haven't been able to provide that information because there hasn't been any.
1: Not a lot going on, but things are starting to open up right now. And you did do uh, what you call an up to the minute snippet which we posted here last week, and uh, some good news. Uh, maybe you could tell us about it.
5: Well, the good news that's happening, I mean, it, 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 it's kind of good news, but, but for example, the 3rd Street Plaza on 3rd on, uh, Street South, that has been, I've been reporting on that ad nauseum for the last four years. That is supposed to be replaced because it was in dire condition um, by a boutique hotel. And finally, finally, uh, Third Street Plaza is being demolished to put that boutique hotel um, in place. And I was so pleased to finally report that to to my readers. Yeah.
1: So, uh and there's some other good things going on around the Paradise Coast too. So, uh, i also interested. Before before I let you go, I want to uh, ask you about. We watched Trump Card yesterday. Now, this is Denise Souza's uh, latest movie or I uh, will call it documentary and uh was quite excellent in my opinion. What you, what were your thoughts?
5: It was disturbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dinesh D'Souza always does movies to make you think mm-hmm. about what's really going on. I wish you know the the media doesn't silence movies like that, but I wish everyone could see it.
1: I do too. I it, it was uh Dinesh, it's what he does is he doesn't just talk about he goes into the To the eye of the tiger he he visits with people who create the news and uh, he it's about what's happening uh, with uh, for example uh, 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 identity politics that's what's happening with regard to mainstream media it's what's happening with uh, gay rights and uh, just a number of things and so he actually brings guests on talks about the issues and helps us I think gives us a really good perspective on uh, what these issues are going into the election
5: I wish everybody could could see that movie today. And I would encourage your listeners to uh, to log on to um, Video On Demand because they can get it, they can rent it for only $5 dollars now. It was up $22. Dollars. But I would encourage everybody who possibly can, it's on Video On Demand, Yeah, see it.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, of course, Denise D'Souza is such a brilliant guy. He does great commentary. And if you're not aware, He was a political prisoner. I mean, he was actually thrown in jail for over-donating to a campaign. I think it was someplace in Illinois, someplace like that. He over-contributed to a candidate. The consequence is he not only got put in jail, he got put in jail in the worst type of criminal jail that there is. He ended up using that as an opportunity to platform, to, number one, learn about the left, but second of all, to teach these people who were in jail and perhaps uh, help them... Remedy some of the things that are going in their lives. So he's come out. His perspective pers- perspective has been changed. I think he was given a pardon, if I'm not mistaken. Well,
5: that's that's what was so nice at the beginning of the movie. After they do the little 1984 George Orwell at the beginning, which freaked me out. But but he he revisited his imprisonment and and why he was unjustly sent to prison. Mm-hmm. And then he he focuses on when Donald Trump called him with that pardon, and how. It, Trump said, "You know, we need to spread the word about what's really going on."
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, Linda Harden, her blog is called "Greetings from Paradise." You'll find it up to the minute snippets, all of them actually, since uh, for the last year. And you can go to my website, bobharden.com, and you'll find a pull-down tab for "Greetings from Paradise," and you'll find this information. So, if you also, if you want to get on the uh, subscription list, you can send her an email. Uh, can I get her at your email on, on air? fine with me okay it's uh, linda m lindamharden at gmail.com Harden at gmail.com L- linda, gmail linda i hope i could spend the rest of the day with you but i just genuinely enjoyed having you on the show you're going
5: to play golf
1: oh, yes <laughs> right. thank <laughs> you so much for joining us Okay, well, this is the wrap on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. If you'd like to uh, get on the email distribution list for a uh, newsletter about the show, you can send me an email at bobharden at com. Also, appreciate your comments on the show. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy. Bob is the chairman of the Cato Institute. Uh, we'll talk about some of the basics of libertarianism. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor. At the University of Houston, it's an author of How Everything Happened, including us. That's just one of his books. He's written several books on climate change as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.